Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Onward to the Sometimes do you are you going to heaven? And I asked this guy the other day if he was going to heaven, and he said, "Well, I hope so." And I said, "Well, you don't have to hope so; you can know so, right? Because it's not based on what we did, but it's based on what he did. If we, if it was based on what we did or didn't do or could lose it or whatever we did, we'd mess up every day. We'd never get to heaven, right? But the bottom line is, is Jesus paid it all, as we sang earlier." Because he paid it all, we have to ask him to forgive us, ask him to save us because he died on that cross for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. And we put our trust in that and that alone. And when we do that and we call on his name and say, oh, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Save me. And we throw ourselves on the mercy of God. He says, oh, Marty, he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He says, whoever believes has eternal life. And over and over and over again, he says, eternal life is not in a place, but it's in a person. It's in Jesus Christ, right? And when you know him, and he knows you because you trusted in him, you're headed to heaven. You've got eternal life right here, right now. And you can have joy and peace and abundant life in spite of all the things that are going on, right? And so we've seen that this book is a book of tests. Because there were these, these uh, people, and we'll kind of wrap it up today because these people said they had this, they were called the Gnostics, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S. They said they had this super knowledge. We've got the secrets to God. We know the secrets. We know the real way to heaven. We know all these things. And, and John writes this book, and over and over and over again, he says, we know, we know, we know, we know. Because he says, we have the truth. We know the real truth. Y'all are believing that Jesus was only God starting at his baptism. He was left, left when he was on the cross because God could not suffer. Flesh was evil and spirit is good. So God could not suffer on the cross. And so he gives us these tests. And what he's trying to do is help these believers to know that they have eternal life but also to be able to spot the phonies that are around them that are spouting all this nonsense and 
saying all these crazy things about, well, you know, you can live any way you want to and get to heaven, or I don't have sin, or I used to sin, or sin, what's that? You know, that's what some of the people were saying. And he, he was like James. James says, said, if anyone says, and these people were saying, if we say we don't have any sin, if we say we've never sinned, if we say that, that we don't sin at all, then he says, you're a liar. You call, you're calling God a liar. And so he gives us these three tests. And he gives us the moral test. The test of how do we behave, right? You look at a person's life and... and uh, you know who they are based on what they do, right? And you can see the pattern of somebody's life. It's like I told the people the other day, I said, if somebody said they were a helicopter pilot and they jump in the helicopter and they, you say, well, show me how it's done. And you go, I can't fly. And you say, no, you're not a helicopter pilot, right? And so if people don't know the truth, they don't believe the truth, they don't act like a Christian, then they're not a Christian. Because the Bible says if we're truly saved, we will behave differently than we used to. And maybe we were saved at an early age and we didn't have all those things in our life that some people do. Uh, and I thank God for those kids and for those people that did that. I unfortunately was not one of those people. I lived for about 30 years of my life before I got saved. And, um, you know, the bottom line is, is, he says there's that moral test. You can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? And it's not a matter of saying, I'm going to make it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to force my way, and I'm going to somehow do this and not do that. The Bible says if you know God, you love his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And you do those things because you love God and you want to obey him, right? I told you all before, uh, if you love somebody, there's the test of love. If you love somebody, what do you do? You want to please them, right? And you don't, nobody says, Marty, you need to please them. You do it because you want to. You do it because you love them. And Jesus said, why do you say that you love me and you do not do what I say? So there's the test of loving God and loving the brethren, loving the brothers and sisters in Christ. And then lastly, there's the test of believing that Jesus is who he said he is. That he's all God and he's all man and he did everything he said he was going to do. And so he kind of about finishes the book like he did. In the, he started, he says, that which was from beginning, which we have heard, we've seen with our eyes, we've looked upon our hands and handled concerning the word of life. And he says, and the life was shown to us and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was shown to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write that your joy may be full. So when we know Christ, we can have joy and peace and abundant life, right? And so last week talked about an uncomfortable subject about the sin unto death, right? And one man said that if you think you've done it, then the, the likelihood is you haven't. Because the person that's sinning and, and uh, ends up being disciplined by God, sick and weak and ultimately taken out of this world by God, is the one that has lost all care whether what he does or she does is right or wrong and doesn't care at that point. And so God has to discipline them. And finally, if they don't obey, he takes them out of this world. 
And so when we get to verse 18 today, we saw last week there were two we knows. We know that he hears us if we pray, and we know that uh, he hears our prayers, and we know that the confidence, we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so this week we're going to see three more we knows. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, and his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Verse 21 says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. So in verses 18 to 21 of chapter 5, we're going to see three no's. First of all, we know that, that, that the true believer does not sin. In other words, practice sin. The second thing is that we know that we're of God. And the third one is that Jesus has come and we know the true God. And his son whom he sent. And so let's look at the first one. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself. And that really should be translated. God keeps him and the wicked one does not touch him. So when we look at this we see that we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Remember when we were back in chapter 3. Maybe you don't remember back that far. But uh, back in chapter 3 John said that the one this is practice right this is the walk this is the pattern of our life he's not saying that we never sin because remember the great apostle Paul he'd been a, uh, a Christian for about 30 years when he writes the book of Philippians and he says I have not arrived I have not made it I have not attained but I press on towards the goal, towards the prize, towards the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Remember he says in Romans 7, the things I want to do, I don't do, right? And the things I don't want to do, I do those who shall deliver me from this body of death. So the, the bottom line is, is we sin as believers, but the bottom line is, is that's not the pattern of our life. One man said, I've heard this, uh, over and over one man says I sin all I want to and I don't want to I don't want to sin but you know the bottom line is, is sometimes we sin David said cleanse me from my hidden sin sometimes we do things and we don't even know that we did them and you know I say sometimes we kind of fall back into uh, what do you call it like to uh, go into the, the just the mode of living life you know and you kind of get in this mode and you're going about your business and sometimes when I think I'm doing the best is when I find out I'm doing the worst you know because I because uh, I think I'm doing good and then I find out I'm not doing good I'm doing bad but see the bottom line is is all of us are going to sin here and there and sometimes it's because we want to and sometimes we do things get mad with somebody we sin or are nasty to them or mean to them or say things we shouldn't say or whatever it is but but we all sin but the pattern of our life if we're truly Christians somebody said it's not that we're sinless but that if we're truly Christians we sin less and less and less that's the pattern of our life that's our walk that's who we are 
And it's because we want to please God. It's because we want to do right. And we don't always do it. But it's our want to. As I tell somebody when you get saved, when God changes you and saves you and forgives you, your want to's change. You used to want to do bad things. And now you want to please God. You don't always do them. But you want to, right? And that's what it's all about is doing what God wants us to do. And we do it not because we have to, but because we want to. And so he says that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God is kept by him, and the wicked one does not touch him. And what does that mean? We know that the devil sometimes, he, uh, the Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour, right? But the bottom line is, is remember Job, and the devil and the angels came before God and God said to, Job, said to the devil, he said, have you seen my servant Job? He's an upright man. He hates evil and he does what is right. And, and, and the old devil says, but Job, he's a paid lover, basically. He says, take, take that hedge around away from him. Take some of the stuff that he owns. You've given him everything and take all that stuff from him and see what he does. And God begins to let the devil take those things and he takes his kids and his cattle and his servants and his, 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 all his possessions and finally his health. And he says, naked I came from the womb and naked I go. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord, right? And that was Job's experience. But see, God was doing something in his life, right? He was wanting him to really truly understand because at the end of the whole book, his 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 friends, his so-called friends, said, Job, what did you do wrong? And Job says, I didn't do anything wrong. But what God wanted him to do was to understand him better and understand God better. And so at the end of the book, he says, I've heard of you, but now I see you with my eyes. I understand you better than I did in the beginning. And so God Gave him an understanding. And so God does allow the devil. You know, somebody said uh, that the devil is God's devil. He's on a leash. He can only do so many things to us. And he only has so much free roaming area. But anything that happens in our life, just remember, what does Romans 8.28 say? Remember that all things work together for good to them that love God and call according to his purposes, Right? In other words, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the ugly stuff, the really good stuff, all of it ultimately happens in our life because God uses those things to make us more like him. That's what he uses. He uses difficulties and money hardships and losses and all these things to make us like him, health problems and things like that. As we get older, I guess you... you you are more dependent on God because you can't be all that in a bag of chips like you used to could and you could do everything you want to do and you didn't need somebody, right? And sometimes it takes people when they get to the last stages of their life that they finally realize that they need the Lord, right? And it's because God brings them to their knees through circumstances. And so God, he allows things in their life but he allows those things in our life to make us more like him, right? And 
So he's chipping all those things away. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, it says tribulation worketh patience, patience character, and character hope. In other words, those difficulties make proven character, good character, holy character. And that tribulation produces all of that, and that character produces hope. Because we see God did this in our life, and you know what? He was with us, and he will be with us the next time we go through something difficult, right? And he says, the wicked one does not touch him. In other words, Dick, it really you could translate this, that God keeps the believer safe. You know, Romans 8 says that there's nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, we can never lose our salvation if we're truly his child, right? And some people want to argue about that, but if I go back to what I said, it's about what he did. It's not about what I do. It's about what he did. And because he paid it all and I put my trust in him, he is the one that keeps me. He's the one that holds on to me. John 10, 28 says, says I, my father, are one and, and no one is greater than the father and and." No one could snatch you out of our hands, out of the Father's hands, nor out of his hands. And so nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And so the second thing he says here is we know that we are of God. So we know that we're children of God. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. See, John doesn't mince words. He doesn't, he doesn't kind of... You know, well, this is kind of a gray area. He says there's two choices. You're either a child of the king or you're a child of the devil. You remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees in John 8, 44? He said, you're of your father, the devil. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And you're of him, right? And there's no choice. You know, sometimes people think, well, I'm okay with God. God's okay with me. I don't think so. And some of these churches and some of these people sometimes put, uh, God is not mad with you. And the Bible says God is wicked with the mad with the wicked every day. <laughs> he's not mad with them some days, he's mad with them every day, right? And the Bible says that we were enemies and sinners and we were separated from God, but God who is rich in mercy while we were yet enemies and sinners died for us. Christ died for us, right? And so we are either of God or we are of the devil. And there's no choice, right? There's either one or the other. People say, well, I'm okay with God. You know, I'm getting closer to God. No, you're not. Unless you trust Christ, you will never make it to heaven. You're either Christ's child because you've asked him to forgive you and save you, or you're a child of the devil. I hate to say that, but that's what the Bible says, you know. People hate to hear that. You know, there's no choice. I mean, you're either belong to Christ or you belong to the devil. And until we ask God to forgive us and save us, we belong to the devil. And he says the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. I was going to point at that and say we can watch that, but you know, the TV, you, all you got to do is turn on the news or that TV in the hallway down there and you look at it and what do you see? Just pure wickedness everywhere, right? I saw some earlier, I won't even talk about it, but I'm just like, people have absolutely lost their minds. They, this is an upside down, backwards world. They think right is wrong and wrong is right, and it's crazy. 
And you know what? We need to pray for these people. We need to pray for our world because the world is under the sway. The wicked one, he's looks like he's winning, but you know what? He's not. If you're ever worried about that, go to the end of the book of Revelation and read the last page. And you'll find out that Jesus wins in the end, right? <laughs> but it looks like, he says the world, what is the world? The, the system of evil, the worldly people, the people who don't know the Lord, they're under the control of the devil. But we that know the Lord are of God. We're his children. And he keeps us safe, right? And then the third thing he says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. That's verse 20. So we know that the son of God, that's Jesus Christ, right, has come. So we know that. And he has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. There's that conditional clause. He's given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. So... So first, what does he say here? Jesus has come, and what has he done? He's given us an understanding of the true God, right? Remember, maybe we'll possibly go back to the book of John for a while and then do some other messages in between. I'm thinking about the book of Colossians, but, but remember in John chapter 1, verse 18, what does he say over there? He says, Jesus has explained the Father to us. He says, Jesus has explained the Father to us is exactly what it says. It says that he has exegeted, he has explained the Father to us. So how do we know the Father? We look at Jesus, right? What did, Tom, what did Thomas say? I think it's John 14, 9. And, and, and Thomas says, show us the Father. And Jesus said, Thomas, have you been with me so long and you don't know if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you know Jesus, you know who the father is right and so we know him who is true and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and you know the bible says that in jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and understanding all the treasures of wisdom and understanding are hidden in him right and you know you go over the book of uh, proverbs in chapter eight i love that chapter and it's really i think a personification of Jesus Christ because it says in the beginning wisdom was there at, at God's side and he created everything and he made everything and he did all these things and I really think it's talking about Jesus Christ because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and understanding right Jesus has that all in him because he is God that we may know him who is true there's only one true God right there's one true God Everything else is idols, right? Everything else is junk. Everything else is worthless. I wish I could have understood what that guy said on the back of his shirt yesterday. I was coming back from mailing our newsletter, and uh, I got behind a guy on a motorcycle, and he says, bow down to your empty God. Below it, he had a, a pentagram. So I don't know if he was saying bow down to your empty God and the devil is an empty God or he's saying bow down to your empty God and my true God is the, is the devil. I don't know which one he was saying. I wanted to stop him and ask him. <laughs> but then I didn't really want to stop him and ask him too. <laughs> you know, but, uh, 
anyway, the bottom line is, is, is all else is emptiness. Everything else is false. You know, all these people, they make all these gods and all these temples and they go into their temples and they bang the gongs and they bang their bells and they do all the stuff. You say, well, why are you doing that? I'm waking my God up. Why do you need to wake your God up? My God's always awake. My God always hears. My God's always there. My God never doesn't hear me. He's never busy. He always is paying attention to me. Right? And so that's the kind of God we have. And he says, we are in him who is true. Not only do we know him who is true, but we are in him, right? The Bible says that we are in him and he is in us. Remember, Jesus said, if I go to the Father, I will send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. He will be with you and he will be in you. And so the moment, we've talked about this over and over again in Ephesians 1.13, it says the moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you as a down payment, as an earnest money, as a promise that one day God's coming back to take us to heaven, that we belong to him. That's the promise. In the Old Testament, God walked with man in the garden. Then he, he lived in a temple with him, right? And, or was the Shekinah glory in Egypt and the, and the cloud by day and the fire by night. And then he was in a temple as the Shekinah glory. And then he... Then he walked on the earth as, as uh, Jesus with the people. But now he lives in us and through us. And that's how we can live the Christian life because we have the power of God. Because he lives in us and through us. You know, that's what Paul said over there. Let me, let me turn over there real quick and see if I can get to it. I guess I, I had always seen this verse, but I never really understood it, understood it to the last few days. I've been reading Galatians over and over and over again. And I just, it was, uh, it's like he says, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20 to 21. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So if, if righteousness comes from something we can do from the law or anything else, Christ died in vain. He, he could have just stayed in heaven, right? That's what I say all the time. And so he says here, this is the... True, he says, we know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. And, and I think he's saying this is the true God and eternal life. He's saying there's a true God and eternal life and Jesus Christ is eternal God and, and, and true life, right? So what does he say in John 17, uh, verse 3 or 5? He says, this is eternal life that you may know him, the true God. In eternal life. Jesus Christ is the true God in eternal life. Yes, the Father is, but the Son is too. And then he finishes and says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. And so John finishes the book and said, Look, he said, These people have been trying to distract you and move you and, and do all these things in your life with all these crazy ideas and all these things. He says, Keep yourselves from idols. You know, 
there's a sense in which, you know, God does protect us, but what do we have to do? We can't just do anything we want to do, can we? It was old preacher J. Vernon McGee, maybe y'all know that name. But he said, I'm so, I'm so, uh, my day, the, my death is so set in the will of God that I could step out in front of a truck and I wouldn't die. He said, son, you step out in front of a truck, you're going to die. <laughs> that is your day, you know, because God doesn't protect us from stupidity, right? I mean, you know, if I go out and do something wrong and I cut my arm off and, and because I went out and got drunk or something and I, and I cut my arm off, then, you know, God, it's not going to grow me a new one just because I'm a Christian, right? But he, he, he does protect us. But you know what? We, we have a sense in which we have to look out for ourselves and, and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And he says, humble yourself. He says, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And then what? He will flee from you. So the first part is to do what? Submit yourself to self to God, right? Then you resist the devil because how do you how do you resist the devil? By first saying, God, I need to do what you want me to do, and I'm submitting myself to you. Then you can resist the devil. But you know, sometimes people say, Well, I'm gonna charge hell with a water gun, right? And sometimes you need to just back off and stay where you at. Some of these people want to go attack big things and say, I'm gonna go chase hell down and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. You know what? That's God's job. God says, stand, stand there for it, having done all to stand and withstand. He says, that you may be protected from the evil one, right? And that's what God wants us to do. And so we have to use common sense. And we have to make sure that things don't become idols in our life. And anything can become an idol. A family member, a, a grandchild, great-grandchild, a you know, we could we could want to don't want to miss our favorite TV show, so we don't go to church or whatever it is. You know, anything can become an idol. An idol is anything that we put in front in front of God, right? That it becomes more important than God, and so anybody can fall prey to those kind of things. And that's why he says, "Little children, there it is, you little children of God." Keep yourself from idols. Look out, because the devil's roaming about seeking whom he may devour. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this book. We thank you for who you are, that you're the true God in eternal life. And you've sent your son, Jesus Christ. And we are in him, and he is in us. And Lord, help us to keep ourselves from idols with your protection, your guiding hand. Let's Help us to... Be diligent about being about your business and doing your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, 
to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.